Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. We have a special guest today. As you all know, Texas Tech is opening the season at Wyoming. This is a unique opponent for the Red Raiders. It's a an opponent that you all, I would expect, don't have a lot of familiarity with. For that matter, neither did we. So we went and found an expert. We went, we're talking to, of the Casper Star Tribune, Ryan Thorburn. Ryan, thank you for being here with us. Uh, great to be with you guys. Looking forward to this and uh, the start of college football, finally. Yeah, we're I it's it's been a brutal off season, text baseball season ending a bit earlier than anybody wanted, so it's been particularly long for us, which we're not accustomed to. Ryan is, as I mentioned, works for this uh, Casper Star Tribune. He's an AP voter and a Heisman voter. He covers Wyoming. He's a guy that we think can provide you all the insight that we really can't. So we we figured when we're starting kind of winding down our preseason, why not get an expert on Wyoming football? So we're just going to dive right in. The first question I think on everybody's mind, let's just talk about the venue. This is a unique venue. As I understand it, this is the highest elevation stadium in college football. Uh, talk a little bit about what, what's the game day atmosphere like? What should any tech fans making the trip expect and what should we expect to see on TV? Well, first of all, this is the best time of year in Laramie. Uh, our elevation here is 7,220 feet. So in the wintertime, it's quite cold, uh, quite snowy and so forth so for basketball games it can be a tough uh it can be tough to get here actually but right now i mean you're looking at you know maybe a high of 78 on saturday maybe 80 um the game's at 5 30 local time so it'll cool off some but the weather's supposed to be really good uh war memorial stadium is uh, a venue that was built you know right after world war ii uh, and Wyoming was actually really good at football post-World War II in the 50s and 60s, um, and then kind of hit the wall in the 70s, uh, had a resurgence in the late 80s. But, um, you know, good history in this in this stadium. Uh, it seats only 30,000, which is obviously a lot smaller than Big 12 venues. Uh, it's They're expecting a sellout um, with Texas Tech coming in, so it should be a really good atmosphere. Um, you know, they've had Oregon in 2017 came here with Justin Herbert and he went against Josh Allen in this venue. Um, they've had Nebraska come in, Texas. Um, Mike Leach brought Washington State here, I think in 18. So they've had some marquee opponents over the years, but uh, this is kind of like the Missouri game in 2019, at least they're hoping where, you know, Wyoming has a pretty good team and the uh, Power Five team coming in here 
you know, has some hype, but, but that the Wyoming team expects to compete in this game. Whereas some of those other ones, they did not compete very well. So uh, that's kind of the setup. Uh, you know, Tom Berman, the athletic director obviously does a great job of getting power five teams to come here. I, I can't remember the date that Wyoming is returning to Lubbock, but uh, that'll be on the horizon. Who knows how many years from now. So, uh, you know, people are excited. I mean, uh, Texas tech obviously has a lot of momentum and some buzz and, uh, you know, that's, that's got people excited. Yeah, this is, this is a unique experience for tech tech has the last several years opened either against Houston or, or really, I believe an FCS school has been an opener more often than not. And they haven't been on the road a ton. Um, And when they have been, I think the last time it was a true road game, Oh, shoot. It's been a hot minute because the last time they were on the road was Houston at NRG, which was a neutral site game, not only because any game in Houston, to be honest, is kind of a neutral site game for the Cougars, but because it was at NRG and it was about a 50-50 split. So this is a fun one. It's a great early test for Tech to go on the road. It's a great early test at a venue they have no familiarity with and really no equivalent uh, guide for something at both this elevation and, to be honest, with this kind of weather in the summer. My first question about kind of the team itself, let's start with the offensive side of the ball, just because, you know, Texas Tech has historically been a big time offensive program the last several years, looking to have a resurgence this year. Let's talk Wyoming. The Red Raiders have a fairly good uh, sense of probably who's going to be where um, for Wyoming. But I did see some news. A start, uh, one of the two, three running backs, one of the several running backs for Wyoming is going to be missed. So who's filling in where on the running back side? I know Wyoming was counting on, uh, 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 is counting on some guys to really have a great year there. And they did lose one of the preseason. Can you speak to what happened in that situation? And also who's, who are the starters in that backfield tech should be aware of? Yeah. Uh... Wyoming really only had one significant injury during fall camp, and that was to DeWyan McNeely, who was projected to be RB1. He tore an ACL about midway through camp. And uh, unfortunately for him, I mean, he had patiently waited behind, you know, Xavier Valade, you know, who transferred to Arizona State last year, uh, but was at Wyoming for five years and had five great years. And then last year, Titus Swin had a thousand yards and he's gone now. So uh, DeWine had waited patiently for that shot and he probably would have been the starter and he gets hurt. So, uh, you feel bad for him. And then compounding that issue, uh, Northern Illinois transfer Harrison Whaley, who, you know, I think is going to be a really good top end mountain West running back. Uh, Wyoming played Northern Illinois a couple of years ago and he was outstanding in that game and Wyoming had a really good defense and, and they could not stop him. So, He's probably going to be the starter eventually, but he's not playing on Saturday. He's still there being cautious with him. He's coming back from a kind of a knee scope in the off season after spring practice, just to get uh, something cleaned up. So he's not going to play in this game. So it's kind of a great, a good story. I mean, we'll see how the, if it has the Hollywood ending or not, but they uh, recruited a kid named uh, Jamari Farrell as kind of an insurance policy this summer Uh, He was at Saddleback Community College in California. Um, He was actually, you know, done with the junior college process and working at KFC and wasn't getting any FBS offers. And he was thinking it might be the end of his football career. Um, And then Wyoming had a tight end, uh, Colin O'Brien, who also played at Saddleback. And he 
told Craig Bull and, and the running backs coach, you need to look at this kid. You know, I know you're looking for running backs, give him a, give him a look. And they did, and they liked what they saw in film and they got him here. And now after fall camp, he ended up winning the job from some other guys that had been around for a while. So uh, Jamari Farrell will be the starter. Uh, I talked to him the other day. He doesn't seem nervous, but we'll see how those butterflies are, are flying in his stomach on Saturday night. Um, he didn't have a lot of production at in junior college, but it's one of those programs that has, you know, just a bunch of dudes and they rotate them and, and they're all trying to get to the FBS. So that'll be, I think, a key storyline. Um, Wyoming is they hang their hat on running the ball and they're going to try to run the ball. And if it's not working early, they're going to keep trying and keep trying. That's just what they do. Uh, his backup, DQ James, is a really dynamic, small guy from Dallas. Uh, he averaged about eight yards a carry last year as the third string guy. Uh, you know, he has, you know, borderline Olympic track speed, or he did, uh, but he tore his ACL against Colorado State last year. But, you know, he's reporting 100% healthy now. So those two small guys will be the one-two punch. And then in this game, they're going to have Sam Scott, who's a bigger guy, uh, a 6'2", 230-pound type guy. He was actually a linebacker last year, and um, they switched him to running back for the bowl game because they had similar injury issues at, at, in the backfield. And he'll kind of be the change of pace power guy. Uh, if there's a fourth and one or something, uh, I'd imagine he'll be getting the call. So those are the three guys, and none of them really have experience in a game like this. So I, I think that'll be uh, – could be an advantage for Texas Tech. We'll see, or they could just pop out of nowhere. No, that Jay, that Jamari Farrell um, story is is a great story. You love to hear things like that, you know, in any landscape and any sports and things like that. Kind of touching on um, DQ James, how has he looked from your standpoint coming back from that ACL? We all kind of know with ACL injuries. You know, sometimes these players are a little skimmish, you know, to get back in there, you know, make those cuts, make things like that. I know he was, you know, arguably doing some some things last year that could have almost put him in the starting conversation, sort of speak. So how has he looked and do you think he's going to be a huge contributor in this game and then moving forward this this season, barring a major injury again? Yeah, DQ is a great story, too. Um He's a, he's a really small guy. He's about five, seven, you know, maybe 175. But like I said, I think his high school, he was on a, a relay team, you know, in high school in Dallas. And I think they had the national record or at least the best mark, you know, his, his year there. So he has great speed. Um, and, and as far as coming back from the injury, you know, that was a big question, obviously for Wyoming uh, with Titus Swin moving on, they needed someone dynamic. And Craig Bull, you know, we asked him one day about it, and he said, well, let's just say he had a run-in with Easton Gibbs, and I'm not going to tell you how that went, but we think DQ's on his way back. Easton Gibbs is the uh, preseason Mount West Defensive Player of the Year, Wyoming's middle linebacker, uh, who is following closely in the footsteps of Logan Wilson, uh, who's with the Bengals, and Chad Muma, who's with the Jaguars. He's, like, next in line there, and – so I asked DQ about it and he took his phone out and showed that practice clip. And basically he got through the whole Gibbs is there. He did like a Barry Sanders, like spin move and went, you know, to the third level. So 
based on that tiny glimpse of practice, he looks like he can cut and run just like last year. I know, speaking of the running game, there were some comments made, and I believe it was the media day, about the ground attack for Wyoming. I am not familiar with the fan base as once it needs as I am with others, but I do can recognize when a question is asked that's a bit more pointed. There seems to be some contention over that offensive system, some question about whether or not it should open up a bit more. Um, the comments made during media day, I, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, suggested that that's not, we're not going to see that. Is that truly the case? Is this still going to be the Wyoming offense we'd expect to see where they're going to run at hell or high water and just see how it goes? Well, they say they're not going to do that. Um, since Josh Allen's final season here in 2017, they have just not been able to find, you know, consistency at quarterback. I mean, they're not going to find the next Josh Allen, but they haven't found anybody that can even complete 60% of their passes. And, you know, even if you look at Josh Allen's uh, collegiate stats versus his Bills stats, this offense doesn't lend itself to quarterbacks thriving. It's, you know, I kind of describe Wyoming as the Iowa of the Mountain West. They run the ball very well. They develop very good offensive lines. Uh, they play really good defense almost every year and they produce more NFL players than you would think Wyoming is pr producing. If you look at the NFL rosters, you're surprised how many Iowa guys are out there. So, and they're off and their offensive coordinator happened to, you know, this is his third year. He was the Iowa offensive line coach before he came to Wyoming. So uh, a lot of similarities between those two programs at different levels. Um, but Andrew Peasley is a sixth year senior, the quarterback this year, he transferred from Utah State last year because, uh, you know, he wanted a chance to start, and they gave that to him. Uh, but it was rough. I mean, they opened up at Illinois. Uh, nobody knew how good Illinois' defense was going to be. It was amazing. They had, I think, three players off that unit drafted in the top 75 this year. And it was a struggle from then on. Now, against some weaker opponents, he had uh, some nice days, but – you know, he had never thrown to a tight end before. Utah State runs a four-wide spread. He ran a spread as a high school kid in Oregon. So it is a big adjustment. It's a pro-style offense. Uh, oftentimes there's two tight ends and a fullback, and there's a lot of play action, obviously a lot of running. Uh, and this year I think he's very comfortable with that. I think he's got a great rapport with the tight ends, and they've added a couple transfer receivers and – you know, they've really emphasized the passing game in the spring and in the fall. Um, they're not going to throw the ball 35 times against Texas Tech, but they'll probably throw it more than they normally do because they have to get this thing more balanced. And the whole key to that is, you know, when they win big, you know, I can think of, you know, in 20, in 21, they, you know, beat Utah State, who won the league that year on the road, like 41 to 17 or something nights like that. The quarterback is like 13 for 15 for 185 yards and two touchdowns. And then they just, you know, run the ball down a team like that's throat. So that's kind of what they do. I would expect a little more passing. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out passing just to shut people up that have been clamoring for it. But uh, you know, bowl's been criticized for about, five years now on this and uh, you know, he's always going to be a run first guy, but they definitely need more balance 
um, something obviously Josh Allen provided in in spades years ago. Now jumping into those wide receivers, you know, I'm looking here at the depth chart here. Y'all's too deep. Out of those six guys, I'm sh I'm showing Alex Brown, Ryan Marquez, Wyatt Whelan, Jalen Sargent, Ayer Asante, and Devin Bodie Jr. Out of those six, which guy is looking to be that that lead guy, the guy that when a, a tough catch needs to be made or a play needs to be made on the outside, which guy is going to be the go-to guy for the Cowboys this year? Yeah, I think uh, Wyatt Wheeland is a six-year guy. He started last year. He had a couple of big touchdowns. If it's third and six and they – he's going to be open for seven. Uh, it's up to Peasley to be accurate. Um, he's just one of those, you know, slot type guys that's just uh, very solid uh, and very trustworthy. So he would be the guy in those type of pressure situations, along with tight end Trayton Welch. He uh, has probably the best hands on the team and the best rapport with Peasley. Um, now, Alex Brown is a guy, <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, another Texas guy. You look at his, uh, his frame and everything. Uh, he has not done much at Wyoming and part of that is the system, but he's the type of guy that could play for Texas tech. He's just, he might be the fastest guy on the team. He's one of the tallest guys on the team. Uh, they they had an injury last year to Peasley in the middle of the Colorado state game. And it was a really tight game and that's, you know, their heated rival. Uh, in Fort Collins, and they had to bring the backup in, Jaden Clemens, who's now actually their third-string quarterback. And he threw a beautiful 40-yard uh, touchdown to Alex Brown. And and the thinking is uh, maybe that'll get Alex Brown going because he's the most talented guy out there. Uh, and I know all these Texas guys are excited about trying to show out in this game on CBS if their families aren't here um, they'll be back in Texas watching, obviously. So uh, I would keep an eye on him. Uh, Devin Body is the uh, Vanderbilt transfer, and uh, Ayer Asante is the Holy Cross transfer. And both those guys bring in an element of speed that was maybe missing uh, beyond Alex Brown. And uh, they're both smart guys. <clears throat> they weren't here in the spring because Craig Bowl said, you know, you're about to get your degrees from Holy Cross and Vandy respectively. You'd be a fool <laughs> to come to Wyoming and not get those degrees first. So they're playing a little bit of catch up. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to set the world on fire against tech, but come mountain West play. I think those guys will definitely uh, be in the mix for sure. Now, when we're talking about Wyoming offensively, you know, the, the, the questions that I, I think that most people will have is when you're talking about the offensive line, it's a, it's a run first offense. It's a, it's a, it has to have a good offensive line for this to work. So this is why normally I wouldn't ask people, but I, we got to ask about the hogs when we're talking about Wyoming, because these guys are going to drive the show. What what kind of experience levels on the offensive line? What kind of, what what are we working with here? This is just such a critical cog of what they want to do. Yeah, you can't get more experience than Frank Crum, the left tackle. He is one of these sixth year seniors. Uh, he's actually a Laramie High School guy. Uh, when he joined the program, he was basically a skinny basketball player. Uh, but his dad played here. His grandfather played here, and Craig Bull said. 
I'm going to give you a scholarship and a shot at this, but you have to work your butt off maybe for years before you see the field. Um, so about his third year, he's been playing since then. He's right now he's listed at six, seven, but he told me he's six, eight, he's six, eight, about, you know, three twenty. Um, he was a dominant right tackle the past couple of years. Now he's playing left tackle. I think, you know, that's to maybe give the NFL, you know, a, a chance to see that I can be versatile. I don't think he'll play left tackle in the NFL, but I think his versatility and size and experience he'll be in the NFL. So he's obviously the leader of the group and one of the leaders of the team. Uh, and then there's their center, uh, no Fofia, Tula, non, Tulo, uh, Noah. Um, they call him Fia obviously, because people like me can't spit it out, but Fia I think is, you know, an all Mountain West center. So those two are the leaders. Uh, they're really high on Caden Barnett, the right tackle. And he did start against Air Force last year when Crum was out. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience, certainly not in a game like this. Uh, Jack Walsh um, at right guard is solid. Uh, he played a lot last year. Um, and then they actually did pretty well in the portal. Uh, they didn't lose a lot of guys that mattered, but they did lose one. Emmanuel Pregnon uh, was a starting guard who is now at USC. Um, so they're going to have a redshirt freshman at left guard. Uh, it's either going to be Wes King or Luke Sandy. I'd expect them to rotate. Um, the good thing is they'll be between Big Frank and Fia. Uh, but the other thing is they're a redshirt freshman starting against Texas Tech. Uh, who obviously has some dudes that can get after the passer. So um, I think the starting five is great and it's healthy. And so they should be fine against Texas Tech. Uh, one of the only issues for Wyoming this season would be if they have some injuries up there. Uh, I think depth is, is kind of a question mark. Now kind of just jumping over to the other side of the ball where you guys are returning uh, – an amount, a, a godly amount of talent and, you know, just years playing on that defensive side. And this is kind of what you guys hang y'all's head on, just like y'all do on the running, you know, running the ball on the offensive side. Um, jumping into that D line, do you guys kind of look as deep as y'all have ever been on the defensive front? And I'm one, or actually a two-part question. How is the defense gelling off of the defensive line gelling how it did off of last year? And then how is the defensive line making changes with the new defensive line coach on that side? Yeah, great questions. Um, I think there's no doubt that the defensive line is the strength of Wyoming's entire team. Um, you know, they had a great year last year. After the 21 season, they lost, you know, about three defensive linemen to the portal. One of those guys went to USC. Another one went to Northwestern. And uh, one of them graduated and was in Miami Dolphins camp. So a year ago, no one knew who most of these guys were. And they all played at a really high level. Uh, defensive end Devon Harris, you know, led the team in sacks. He's a preseason All-Mountain West player. The other defensive end, Braden Siders, was on some of the freshman All-American teams last year. Uh, he's back on the other side. And then they have a third defensive end named Sebastian Harsh, who they thought was the best of the three of them who suffered a season-ending knee injury in camp last year. So Saturday night, he'll finally get to play for this team. Um, 
probably not a ton of snaps, but I, I would expect him to be the third pass rusher in, and we'll see what he can do. Um, the defensive tackles are really outstanding. Jordan Bertinoli is also preseason All-Mountain West. And Cole Goodbow is the best of them all, and he's not on the All-Mountain West team. I think the media and the conference kind of forgot about him for some reason because, you know, he played the first six games last year, uh, had a freak foot injury, missed the last six. And if not for that, he'd probably be in an NFL camp right now. Um, but his absence last year down the stretch uh, allowed a couple other guys to get major snaps. Um, Burton is an older guy too, that just is a Wyoming guy that stuck around. He's from uh, Casper. So the guys behind them, it should be their time because, because <laughs> uh, Goodbo and Burton Oli are so old, but with the, you know, the COVID year and the injuries, everybody's back. So they're really about at least four starter quality guys deep in the interior, maybe five. Um, they have a six guy they love that is making his way back from injury. Um, he was actually in a car crash this summer, Caleb Robinson. So I think they're five deep in the middle and three deep on the edge, but all eight of those players are, you know, all Mountain West type talents. So, um, you guys probably know that the D-line coach is Oscar Giles. He was uh, with Matt Brown at Texas for a long time. Uh, he knows probably every high school coach in Texas. And uh, I think this uh, this group and then their success and then also playing Tech, going to Texas, I'd imagine they're going to probably get some recruits out of this from the Lone Star State. So, yeah, that's the strength of their team. In my opinion, if they're going to have any shot of winning this game, those guys have to dominate their matchup. I know Joey McGuire said he's so much, you know, more confident in Texas Tech's offensive line now than, than last year. And they have so much more experience than they did last year. And, and that's, I believe him, but Wyoming has to win that this particular matchup uh, going away, I think to, uh, to win this game, given, you know, what Tyler Shuck and those guys can do on the scoreboard. I like that, you know, you never want your opponent to be better than you in something, but it is a great test for Texas Tech to go up against an experienced, experienced defensive line early. Considering some of the question marks around the offensive line last year and this year for Tech, there's been a lot of talk about that line taking a step forward and improving. It's good to get tested right off the back. It's good to do it in a hostile environment. Um, it's going to push you. You have a big matchup of Oregon coming up who will be extremely talented on both sides of the ball. So it, that offensive line needs to get hit early and just find out what they're made of. Let's, let's find out what the hype is. So it, it for Tech fans out there wondering what can we learn from this game? What should we be looking for depending on how it goes? I think that matchup is probably the one to watch to learn the most about your team. If you're just asking where does Wyoming match up the best, it's that side of the ball and that position group. So if you're looking for what what to learn, it's how does Tech's offensive line hold up against a very experienced, talented group. But talk if we're going to talk about the defense and you're talking about matching up with Texas Tech, you live and die with your ability on the secondary. Um, let's, let's, let's take a look at that group. Let's talk to who, who's the, who's your, you know, de facto captain on the back end. And how do you think this group's going to hold up against a Texas tech receiving core that is looking to break out this season with a couple of guys eyeing big campaigns? Yeah. Wyoming, the defense as a whole returns, you know, 10 of the 11 starters from last year. 
and they play a nickel defense pretty much all the time. So that might help them in this matchup with, uh, do you guys still call it the air raid, even though it's not leech? Um, not, not anymore. Uh, only, okay. only the, the, the truly p- uh, pure of heart would describe this charitably as an air raid, just as a nod, but right. yeah, I, at this point, it's just the spread. But yeah, but anyway, you know, obviously uh, it's, you know, a lot of receivers out there. Uh, Wyoming loves their nickel, Rook Brown, yet another Texas guy. Uh, I think people, even Texas Tech fans, will love watching him. He's another small guy. Like his first start last year was at New Mexico, and he had, I think, 11 tackles. Uh, the starting nickel was injured, and it was one of those Wally Pip situations where Rook Brown never left the field after that. But after the game, he came, you know, he was all showered and dressed and was like standing there and I had requested him and I was like, who are you? <laughs> I thought he was like a, you know, a soccer player or something. He's just a small guy, but he hits like crazy. He actually blew up a kid in the spring game that, you know, would have been a penalty and the coaches were pretty mad, but so Rook Brown's the nickel. He's a really good player. He's fun to watch smaller guy. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to have a key role, obviously, against Texas Tech. Um, Ja'Cory Hawkins is one of the corners. He is an Ole Miss transfer. He played for Wyoming last year, but I think he's going to be a lot better his second year at Wyoming. He was, uh, you know, a really touted recruit coming out of high school, had a lot of great offers, went to Ole Miss, uh, wasn't getting the, you know, starting run he wanted and, and ends up at Wyoming and, uh you know, just he's the type of guy that can cover Texas Tech type of receiver. So um, that's another good matchup maybe to keep an eye on. Um, both safeties are solid. I wouldn't say they're spectacular. I'd say they're solid. Uh, Wyatt Eckler and Isaac White, just always in position, solid. You know, Wyoming has a good history at that position recently with, uh, you know, Marcus Epps of the Eagles and uh, Andrew Wingard on the Jaguars. So, uh, their defense coordinator actually coaches the safeties, so that that's they're just solid. Uh, they'll have to be obviously uh, against Texas Tech, and then the one guy that didn't start last year is Colby Taylor on the other corner, and he is, I believe, six foot four. So it'll be fun when uh, you know Texas Tech's six five, you know, all Big Twelve sophomore guy is lined up on that side to watch those two go at it. Uh, Colby Taylor was actually on um, Bruce Feldman's freaks list at number 28, um, but we haven't seen much of him. He got the start in the Arizona Bowl and got called for targeting like on the second play of the game and ejected. So he's been really (laughs) chomping at the bit since then because uh, this is his time. So that's kind of the secondary, uh, you know, with Tech's tempo, I don't know how many guys they'll be able to sub in. Uh, if they do, they they have a talented backup nickel named Leek Singleton. I don't know if you want to put a super young guy in this game. And then uh, a backup safety named Andrew Johnson, who's uh, a pretty good athlete from Cheyenne. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Wyoming subs in this game. Can they even get the defensive line rotation on and off the field? We'll see. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I know Joey McGuire said when they put the marker down, we're going. So... Uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on too. But yeah, Wyoming has a experienced defense. 
on paper, it's probably the best in the Mountain West, but we'll see. Uh, Boise State will have something to say, to say about that, probably Air Force. But, uh, you know, that's if they're going to win the Mountain West, it's, this defense has to be lights out. Now, obviously, football is all about matchups, right? Finding your matchup where you could exploit an offense, where you could exploit a defense. Texas Tech has three tight ends that vary in heights from 6'4 all the way to 6'9. Obviously, you know, we have our guys on the outside that are 6'3", 6'4", equally as well. Is there anything that the defensive coordinator, I, I can't remember his name, C. Vall, I believe, or something similar to that, um, that they're game planning to have whenever we have our bigger tight ends on the field? Yeah, that's a good question. Jay Savell, um, you know, because Easton Gibbs and Shea Suyanoa, the two linebackers, are are both pretty good in coverage. Um, I, I just think if the defensive line, uh, if they can do what they hope they can do, you know, I think they can get more creative than they have in past years uh, instead of just playing base. You know, you could see a Rook Brown coming at, you know, blitzing Shuck, or you could see, uh, you know, possibly Easton Gibbs blitzing Shuck. So, yeah, that'll be interesting because their linebackers are rock solid. I think Gibbs is probably going to be in the NFL next year, but he's not as big as Logan Wilson and Chad Muma. So uh, that might be a, a matchup that Texas Tech could exploit if, if those tight ends are really that tall. Um, because like I said, Rip Brown's small and Easton Gibbs isn't the biggest middle linebacker in the world. So, uh, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's an interesting wrinkle. You know, when I think of tech, I think of the receivers, but yeah, the, the tight ends might be a big part of this. I, I had the pleasure of being on the field for tech up against U of H when Mason Tharp and, uh, the tight end group came out on the field. I am used to being around football players. I have some appreciation of the size there, but Mason Tharp makes other college football players look like very small men. It is a wild experience to get close to him in person. Nobody's meant to be that tall, that big and move that well. I think around Red Raider country, everybody's hoping to see more of the tight ends. That was a big kind of, if you want to say gripes, not quite the right word, but common area of conversation was how do you get those guys more involved in what we're doing? So we'll see how that develops this year with Zach Kittley being a second year of an offensive coordinator. Um, let's talk now a bit more about expectations for Wyoming as the season. Um, you know, Mountain West is not anybody's familiarity. Uh, for tech fans. So let's talk where they fall in this packing order. This will give them a good idea. Obviously Boise state's the, probably the biggest name in the mountain West due to some of the past events going on, but what's the new packing order of the conference right around who knows what happens with realignment, but one last year, pure mountain West football, at least where does Wyoming fall in that hierarchy? Well, Boise state's the clear favorite this year. They got off to a brutal start last year in non-con, but they, uh, you know, Hank Bachmeyer, you know, they fired their offensive coordinator four games in and Hank Bachmeyer went in the portal. And then all of a sudden they have this quarterback named Taylor Green, who looks like, um, you know, a young Josh Allen at times. He's a tall guy who can run and throw it a mile. So Boise State's the favorite. They have a brutal non-conference starting with Washington. So we'll see if they get beat up or not. Fresno State's the reigning champion, but they lose Jake Hayner. He's with the Saints now. He was a prolific quarterback. It's interesting with the Mountain West media because they had – Wyoming has more 
uh, preseason all Mountain West players than any other team, even more than Boise State, and yet they were picked sixth in the pecking order. So um, I don't know why that is. I think a lot of it is is the passing game, and people just want to see, you know, why don't you have to? I mean, it's twenty twenty three. You need to have some semblance of a passing game to to win a championship. So, uh, you know, I think Wyoming believes that they can kick the door down and win the Mountain West. But, um, you know, right now it we'll see. This is a great, uh, I guess, litmus test to see just how good Wyoming is because I would say, you know, Boise State and Texas Tech are probably, I would say, similar this year. You know, we'll see if Boise can hang out Washington. But, you know, I had uh, Texas Tech ranked 20th in the AP poll. I know they just missed, and I have Boise State, I think, 23 or 24. So this is huge. If Wyoming can hang with Texas Tech, uh, maybe they can win on the blue turf. The, Of course, for Texas Tech, the, the, the game of the non-conference is Oregon. This one has all of the makings of your stereotypical trap game. You have a big opponent, a lot of momentum. The next week, you have a big opponent. You have all the momentum coming in off the offseason. You're not in the AP poll. I'm actually kind of, in hindsight, a little bit happy about how that broke out. Uh, you are in the coaches poll, however. And this is a game against a Wyoming team that has quite literally nothing to lose by competing. So now let's just talk. We're, we're a couple of days away from kickoff. It's time to get serious about predictions. Uh, in your estimation, how do you see this game playing out? What do you think the final score is? Can, and with what you know about Wyoming, what you know about Texas Tech, do you think that the, uh, that the Cowboys can keep this one close? Or are you thinking that this one gets away? Um, well, obviously, Texas Tech is a heavy favorite. I think it's 14 and a half. Um, just, you know, being around Wyoming's team and just the fall camp they had and the experience they have, you know, if Peasley can, like I said, if he can complete 60% of his passes, convert some third downs, uh, you know, I think Wyoming's going to cover the spread. I really do. I think, uh, you know, I haven't predicted it on my podcast or anything. I would say, you know, if Wyoming's defense can play to their level, I, I see Texas Tech, you know, maybe grinding out, you know, a 31, you know, 21 type of game. So, um, and, and I think the whole key for Wyoming is make this a fourth quarter game, make, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on Texas tech this year. I think just even being in Wyoming, I've seen so much written about them. Uh, people have described them as the TCU of, of 2023. They were obviously getting uh, first place votes in the big 12 picked fourth. Uh, if you can make it a fourth quarter game at altitude with the crowd and everything, uh, see how that pressure, how Texas Tech handles that pressure. I think that's that's the scenario for Wyoming. Um, it, it could either go down like that, or um, maybe Texas Tech is as talented as everyone says, and they just boat race Wyoming. We'll see. But I would not expect that. I would, like I said, I expect this to be more like 2019 Missouri. They came in. They were certainly not as good as Texas Tech, obviously. But um, in 2019, they had. Uh, Geez, what was that Clemson transfer's name? The kid who was, you know, behind Trevor Lawrence transferred to Missouri and they were getting votes. And it's like, okay, this kid finally gets his chance. And, and Wyoming beat them in Laramie and, and uh, 
you know, uh, Barry Odom, who was at Missouri at the time at the Mountain West Media Day, I said, what do you remember about that? He's like, that's why I'm here. He's now at UNLV. So um, I think it'll be similar to that, but I do think Texas Tech is, is better than Missouri was. That was Kelly Bryant, by the way. Yeah, Kelly Bryant. And he had his moments in that game, and they actually won, I think, their next five games. But the SEC schedule caught up with them late, and they fired Barry Odom after a 6-6 six and six season that started with a loss in Wyoming. Yeah, this is a game, I think, the confidence level, it, 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 depending who you ask and, and Red Raider country, really depends on, I, I would say, maybe even age of fan matters. There are a lot of older tech fans who have had a lot of not great uh, uh, years where high expectations panned out to very, very little. Younger fans don't have as much experience with that. Uh, granted, even in the modern era, it's not like they've been good, but it's more like, you know, my dad was a Texas Tech grad. He was there when it was him and a friend, and they were one of 300 people in the entire stadium. So that it really it runs the gamut. Some are managing expectations. Some are looking for the moon. But this is a, a, ordinarily these kind of buy games are not for, at least for Tech. The, 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 it's gone one of two ways. You've had really Houston or somebody you're just going to beat the crap out of. So Wyoming is somewhere in the middle of there, and we're going to find out. Those Houston games have been wild, more or less, even though Tech pulled away in the last uh, uh, the last away game they went to in NRG. They pulled away late. The last rendition was a dramatic finish to that game involving a, I believe it was under a minute 10 to push that uh, uh, that game in overtime. So it's it's certainly the kind of affair where tech fans are really hoping to avoid that kind of outcome. I think that would send alarm bells up, but I don't think anyone would be too shocked to struggle a bit. Like I said, this is a trap game of all trap games. It is a massively important game for Texas tech, not to stumble. If they want to keep these good feelings going, continue to build on the recruiting trail and prove out what Joey McGuire is doing, but they got to do it against a, a very old, a very experienced team. And for those of you who have not, paid attention to why playing in Denver, for instance, is so hard on teams. Elevation matters, and there is nowhere higher to play than Wyoming. So it's going to be a tough trip for the Red Raiders. Thank you to Ryan for joining us. This was great insight into that team. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to him talk. and have You're going to go into Saturday feeling really informed, so when uh, certain names get called, you're going to know why they're getting called and have an idea of what's coming down the pipe. Everybody keep your fingers crossed that this one's smooth sailings. Could be a wild one. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we reconvene next week with a Red Raider victory. But regardless of the outcome, thanks to Ryan for joining us. And we look forward to a really fun football season. So we're going to try to bring more people in to talk about these teams, especially the teams we're not as familiar with, with Vic 12 changing all over the board. Guys like Ryan are invaluable to us in figuring out, hey, what's actually going on? Uh, Ryan, one last time, thank you for being here. And good luck to Wyoming and your beat this year. I'm, I, I'll be keeping an eye on the Mountain West uh, and seeing how they pull out. And would not be shocked to see Wyoming make a little bit of a run. Well, I can tell you Wyoming fans will be rooting for Texas Tech when they play BYU because that is the team that people in the state hate the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I think that, you know, you may have a lot in common with Utah fans then because we're uh, we're going to be welcoming both of them into this conference soon, and there's going to be a lot of hate flowing towards BYU over the years. But um, we'll be 
reconvening, guys. There's going to be another podcast, which is a true preview. I'm not going to have Joe and I talk to our predictions for the game until then. That'll come out to, uh, probably Friday. We're recording this Wednesday. This will drop Thursday. So enjoy the rest of your weekend. Rest up. we got a big Saturday. Actually, college football really Thursday night. We have UCF Kent State, if you're a big Big 12 watcher kind of person. But college football is officially back with week one with a full slate of games. So rest up. Get your strength. Don't drink too early. Don't drink too late. Ride the wave, folks. Wreck them and have a good 